Hello, everyone, and welcome to Kane and Rinse Sound of Play 141.
Wednesday in Sound of Play, we bring you some of our and your favorite pieces from the many video game soundtracks we've enjoyed over the decades. And again, it is just me, Ryan Heyman, all by myself, because a few weeks back in Sound of Play 138, I believe it was, we did a special type of show experimenting with a new format and asked for some feedback on that. And of what we've received, most of it was pretty positive overall. And so we're going to continue to experiment with this format. Again, not every week. This is just kind of a every once in a while thing. And this is based on a song exploder type of idea where we take old video game music that was composed for early video game systems and kind of break it apart instrument by instrument and really kind of understand what's going on in a smaller selection of musical pieces. Before we get to that, though, let's talk about that song that brought us into the podcast today. That was from one of our previous guests, actually. That was uh, good old Carlos, Insane in the Rain Music. He was featured on Sound of Play 25, if memory serves. He's a wonderful jazz musician, a really, really talented musician who's doing some amazing video game covers on YouTube. I would encourage everyone to go and check out his content. And that was his cover of Mining Melancholy from Donkey Kong Country 2, which we will be hearing again from at the end of this podcast, uh, which is a great time to mention that today's theme of songs we're going through are all from Donkey Kong Country 2. These are three separate pieces uh, unlike last time in which we looked at three versions of the same song, that is the Robocop theme. You can find that again in Sound of Play 138. Uh, but today, yes, we're looking at three different pieces composed by David Wise for Donkey Kong Country 2, Diddy's Conquest. These are perhaps not the most famous pieces, not the first pieces that would come to mind when you think of this soundtrack, but I think there's a lot to be learned from them, and I think they're all really interesting pieces in their own right. So let's go into the first of them now. So one thing about Super Nintendo music that sets it apart from the types of music that we listened to last time, we listened to some uh, Commodore 64, ZX Spectrum, and Game Boy pieces, is that those early systems had maybe three or four different instrument voices to work with, um, and that is how many instruments can be playing at the same time. The Super Nintendo has much greater capability, musically speaking anyways. And there could be eight tracks of sound all playing at once. Now what this means is that the final composition is more dense and layered and interesting. It has a lot of texture to it. But while we're picking it apart, I think you'll find that each individual instrument is less interesting. It more kind of serves the the greater whole rather than the pieces that we heard in uh, Sound of Play 138 in which each of those tracks kind of stood on its own to an extent. And so instead of boring you with a bunch of of individual tracks that aren't doing a whole lot on their own, I'm oftentimes going to be combining maybe two or three of these. We'll still get the effect of pulling apart the different functional portions of the music and analyzing those, but it's not going to be... There will be instances of playing one instrument at a time, and you'll see why we're combining things. It would be a very long podcast if we didn't. (laughs) The first track that I want to highlight is one of my favorite pieces. This is called Forest Interlude, and just as the name suggests, it comes in these beautiful forest levels with the sun poking through the trees in the background and and casting these beautiful god rays on the monkeys as they platform through these treacherous woods. The music is very ethereal, it's very peaceful, 
It has a nice kind of repeating track in the background that grounds it throughout the entire piece, most of the entire piece anyways. But the most interesting thing about it is that a lot of Donkey Kong music, and actually a lot of rare music in general, has integration of the kind of ambient sound effects that you would hear in this environment, kind of woven into the pieces of music. And most of the time, they don't really play with the music. They're just kind of the wind in the background or the water dripping from the cave roof. But in this song, the chirps of the birds are used as a percussion instrument. And it's it's weird, it's interesting, it's really memorable. And so we'll definitely point that out when we come to it. But anyways, let's get started. Let's listen to this opening bit all together with all these tracks playing at once. So you'll notice a couple things going on here. We have some droning bass notes that are just kind of laying an under rhythm to what's going on on top. And then we have a very simple tune played in these kind of ethereal chords that kind of ground the piece. Very short series of notes that repeat over and over again. Now let's focus on just those. Those are being played by two of the voices. And again, voice is the terminology that we're going to use for any of the eight musical tracks that can be playing at once. And you'll notice that there's actually one voice that is acting as the lead line, and another voice that is acting as its reverb or its echo, and back together. You'll notice it has a really nice kind of trailing off effect. It makes it sound really far away, like it's being played in a, a grand open space. The other four tracks are playing these droning bass notes, which you heard earlier. The third voice is a very deep, very loud bass note that kind of takes up a lot of the audio space. And the others are quieter, higher pitched, more subtle droning notes that all kind of harmonize with each other to create these drawn out chords. And notice if you listen closely, they aren't all aligned with each other. The notes don't start at the same time. There are notes that fade in after all the others begin to play. It brings this almost kind of spooky atmosphere to this. Next, we get to the lead instrument of the piece. This is being played by voice four with voice six providing an echo and a reverb to this piece like we've heard before. I've always liked this instrument. It kind of sounds like a wind instrument, like a panpipe or something like that, but it hits each note so hard it almost feels percussive as well. It's a really interesting instrument that sounds so natural but so impossible at the same time. And then each round is concluded with this really weird sequence of notes. I'm going to play it once without the echo and then another times with the echo accompaniment. And all this time the first two voices are still playing, kind of fading in and out of that uh, repeated sequence of notes that we heard earlier. Although this is going to change soon. The second voice is going to drop out completely and the first voice is going to change into a percussion track. 
And after a few measures, the second voice is also going to change into a percussion track. And as I mentioned before, this is the track that really kind of takes home the gold. This is where you get that really interesting bird chirping motif. It goes alongside what I assume to be a steel drum or something like that. It's, it's a weird percussion track all around. There's almost like a cartoon bounciness to it. It has a, a good like African feel when you take it in isolation like that, which, which goes into the, you know, big gorilla adventure. But I think it sounds more playful in isolation than it does when it's mixed into the rest of the track. And another lead line kicks in, taking the spotlight now that the other one has gone away. This one has kind of a harmonica sound to it. Now, this one's a little bit different in that it has echoes in its own voice as well as another voice. This is, again, voices four and six playing double duty to bring us this other lead line. And then we're back to our favorite panpipe section. And after that concludes, we go into a very dramatic key change. And this is something that the entire Donkey Kong Country 2 soundtrack does really, really well. It, it brings out these moments of drama with these key changes and very sudden shifts in tonality. It gets to be quite emotional, actually. The lead line transforms. It's a, an extended riff off of that transitionary phrase that we heard used before. This time it goes on for far longer. And you guessed it, voice 6 is providing echoes and reverb for that piece again. But let's listen to our droning notes. Let's hear what they have to say now in this new key. And let's layer in some bass. To wrap up this more dramatic section of the song, we go back to our harmonica. It plays a very emotional, kind of pleading front line, again with the voice six playing echo duty. And from there, the track loops, so let's mix that all together and listen to the whole thing.
That was Forest Interlude by David Wise. This next track, I wouldn't call it a highlight of the entire album. Uh, Not a bad song, of course. It's just that the Donkey Kong Country 2 soundtrack raises such an impossibly high bar (laughs) that even a great song like this will be considered on the kind of lower end of the soundtrack. But I think that there's a lot to gain by picking it apart and listening to its various layers. This piece of music is called Hot Head Bop, and it plays as you're navigating these lava-filled swamps of this haunted pirate island. It's a weird game. (laughs) But this one, as I've uh, said before does have an undercurrent of ever-present sound effects. In this case, it's the bubbling of lava. Now, this is something that I kind of uh, kind of dislike about Rare Music. From the Donkey Kong games to the Banjo-Kazooie games, the sound effects of the environment are baked right into the music. And so if you get the Banjo-Kazooie soundtrack, for example, then every time you listen to Click Clock Woods, it's going to have the birds chirping or the squawking of a vulture or whatever it is baked in. There's no way to kind of separate it out unless you go into the actual digital files ourselves like we did and mute them. So that's what we're going to do. We're just going to take a look at the music by itself and we're going to cut out the sound effects because for our purpose, uh, that's not really what we're interested in at the moment. Just to keep it fair, let's listen to just a little bit of those gloopy lava sound effects by themselves right now. And this kind of extends throughout the entire song, but for our purposes, we're going to be going in without them. All right, first of all, let's establish our percussion tracks. We have two percussion tracks. One of them, which is voice seven, almost plays like an anxiety chord. It's like a a light rapping on a cymbal, but it makes me a little anxious hearing it, you know? (laughs) Which is definitely in the mood that David Weiss is trying to go for here. The other percussion track, which is Voice 8, is a very simple loop, again, that kind of models itself after African drums. Now, along with those percussion, to increase this feeling of anxiety, Voices 2 and 4 are playing these really disconcerting extended notes. Like, they really kind of put you on the edge of your seat, these ones. You know, like, they really sound like the music that you get in movies when somebody's exploring a haunted house before something jumps out at them. And this intro is all brought together by this awesome slap bass that drives throughout the entire piece. And after this intro is done, we get a third percussion voice. This is voice one that is playing another very simple, very short loop. Now let's listen to all those percussion pieces together. So now for anyone keeping track, there are three voices that are exclusively dedicated to percussion. There's two voices that are exclusively dedicated to the lava glooping noises, leaving just three voices for David Wise to do what he wants to do with the rest of the music. One of them is the bass. Let's see how he uses them. And I think you'll be surprised by that answer. What he does is he transforms one of those percussion tracks into another lava sound effects track. So now we have three of them all doing roughly the same thing. But not for long, though, because one of the lava voices is going to change into something else as it is needed. Another thing about Super Nintendo music is that the voices are often kind of cross-utilized as the piece goes on, so you really have to kind of remain on your toes to keep track of where everything is. 
Now what happens here is that voices 2 and 4 play these really neat interconnected chiming noises. Now this is really interesting because it all sounds like it's one instrument playing eighth notes, but instead there are two voices that are playing alternating quarter notes. And I don't know exactly why that is. Maybe it's to allow each note to have a little bit more sustain. But anyways, let's listen to each of them individually, and then I will bring them together. So now our two lava tracks that have been lava throughout the entire piece play the lead line. Again, that is one playing the instrument proper and then another one doing its reverb echo. But again, that doesn't last long as it transforms yet again into a really nice fluttery piano. And it's echo track appropriately. Under that, we get a new, deep, droning bass note. And, even though it took a couple of measures off, we get the same slap bass that we've been used to the entire time. It definitely creates more of a sense of dread, like a deeper drama than was there before. Temporarily, Voice 8's percussion track is the only percussion voice in the entire piece. Let's listen to that percussion piece and the two bass tracks together. Voices 2 and 4 do some very, very simple extended chords, just to set some atmosphere. And voices 5 and 6, which were playing the piano and its echo, transform into a more electronic sound, piano and echo. In the next portion of the song, voices 2 and 4 use those alternating quarter notes again to play a different, uh, somewhat more hopeful sounding piece of music. As voices 5 and 6 play some piano riffs again. Again, we can hear a definite shift in the tone of the music, and that's nowhere more clear than in the slap bass. Let's hear that transition. A few measures in, voices 7 and 8 transform into some really nice chords to underlie the drama here. Almost sounds like a car horn if you listen to it. And then we get this beautiful harmonica piece and its accompanying echo line. Before the piece loops again. Let's listen to that all together now.
this last track that we're going to listen to today is a piece called Mining Melancholy. It's another one of my favorites on the Donkey Kong Country 2 soundtrack. This one is very percussion heavy and uh, kind of like the forest interlude that we listened to towards the beginning of this sound of play. Its percussion is uh, kind of composed of the ambient sound effects that you would hear in this environment, which is deep in a mine. So you get a lot of the sounds of pickaxes on rock, like a like the stones are being pried from the walls. Let's just quickly cycle through each of these individually. Voice 2 is playing a very tinny, very light percussion. Voice 5 has a very similar sound to it. And voice 4 plays its echo. It really does feel like you're in this giant cavern. A few measures in, voice 1 joins in. With a much more prominent percussion line. But again, one that feels appropriate for the space that you're in. And then voice 3 does something that's very unusual. It just plays these very subtle bass stings. You can hear it always lands on this bass kick that uh, voice 1 is doing. And then to wrap up this section, voices 6 and 7 play this really cool drum fill. The slap bass gets a little bit more attention. Voices 1, 2, 4, and 5 remain on percussion duty. And voices 6, 7, and 8 pivot to something really cool. It's this, uh, this really neat electronic line that feels kind of out of place in this otherwise really naturally grounded piece of music, but it's really cool. Let's listen to each one individually. And then let's play them all together. Yeah, I told you it's cool, right? <laughs> and the only other thing that happens here is that voice 2, which was a percussion track, transforms into this interesting kind of fleeting electronic sting as well. And then, as any fan of the Donkey Kong Country 2 soundtrack will tell you, this next part of the song is the part that really makes it stand out. As uh, I mentioned in one of the previous tracks, the Donkey Kong Country 2 soundtrack frequently does these large uh, tonal shifts uh, very suddenly, and it really kind of catches you by surprise and uh, just kind of hits you right in the heart, you know? It just it, it feels very emotional for some reason. It's kind of a silly thing to say about a game about monkeys jumping around these uh, abandoned theme parks, but it is, it's, it's strangely emotional. Let's listen to that bass line, see what that does. Voices 6, 7, and 8 transform from these very subtle electronic whispers of music into uh, not quite aggressive music, but it's a lot more fully featured. These are almost like brass pieces being played very quietly, but still brass nonetheless, and they bring that power with them. Let's listen to each individually. And then let's layer them on top of each other. I love that. Again, so good. But what everyone's really here for is what Voice 2 is doing right now. It's almost like a banjo or a steel guitar or something like that. 
Uh, voice 1 plays its echo, which doesn't sound great in isolation, but uh, it, it kind of fades to the background in the context of the entire piece. After that interlude is finished, we go back into the original sound of the song, and voices 4 and 5 are playing this weirdly kind of whiny <laughs> electronic music, punctuated by these really intense hits or stings. They almost sound like Killer Instinct music. That motif is taken over by voices six and seven. And voice three transformed back into long drawn out drone notes. Let's listen to just those three together. And then we go back into that more emotional sound for a second sweep. But this time things are a little bit different, but let's start with what stayed the same. Voice 3, which is our trusty bass track, has done what it did before. Voices 4 and 5 are still playing their percussion. 6, 7, and 8 are playing a beautiful extended chord again, all harmonizing with each other, and it sounds lovely as always. But the lead, instead of being played by a really tinny banjo sound, is being sung by this really deep male chorus. It's interesting. This is voice two with voice one playing an echo. Let's listen to one and two, the male chorus, and six, seven, and eight all playing together. Let's put it all together, but before we listen to it all together, I would like to remind everyone to visit our forum at canonrinse.com forum where you can request your own pieces of music for future sounds of play. If you have any suggestions for songs that you would like to see dissected like this, uh, then please do mention that as well. And again, we are not married to this format yet, and so if there's things that uh, you feel could be done better about it, or if you just don't want to hear any more sounds of play that are in this format at all, then we value that feedback and it will be taken into account, of course. <laughs> Anyways, I've been Ryan Heyman, and I'll catch you in a couple more weeks, but until then, let's listen to Mining Melancholy from Donkey Kong Country 2, Diddy's Conquest by David Wise.